and the Y'all Show for Thursday is on the air. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, welcoming you into this three-hour journey where we cover what's going on across the South in terms of news and sports and entertainment and food and so much more. Got plenty of politics to talk about. The Republicans were going at it in Milwaukee Wednesday evening. We've got audio from a few of the highlights of the Republican presidential debate that went on in Milwaukee on the Fox News Channel Wednesday evening. Fireworks there. And we've got some of those fireworks that we'll play for you. Former Governor of South Carolina Nikki Haley, she and Ron DeSantis talking about abortion. That is a clip that we'll play on today's show. Plus, we've got a clip of former Vice President Mike Pence. He and political newcomer, the 38-year-old Ohioan, Vivek Ramaswamy going after it, and Ron DeSantis chimes in. We've got that clip that we'll play for you in our coverage of the Republican presidential debate, the first one that we've seen of the 2024 cycle. That's coming up on today's Y'all Show. Plus, President Trump decided to skip out on this presidential debate in Wisconsin. So what he ended up doing was having counter-programming, and so we've got a clip from his ex-conversation that he did with Tucker Carlson, and it's a very Trumpy, Trumpy conversation, to say the least, and we'll have that on today's Y'all Show. So plenty of political talk to get to on the program all about the South. We also have sports news of the day that we'll share with you, and in our first hour, we've got hashtag hullabaloo. This is where we go on social media and find some great stuff to pass along, and today, Johnny Cash and Robert E. Lee together. That's a subject that we'll we'll talk about with you in hashtag hullabaloo. Plus, we've got an X about Joe Biden's performance. How well is he performing in terms of polling? In the South, not very good. I'll explain as someone has shared something on social media about the president. And all that's coming up here in our opening hour of the Y'all Show. Hour number two today, in addition to more coverage of the Republican presidential debate from Wednesday evening, we will have with you, for you, and all about you, Oliver Anthony information. That's the guy that's at number one on the chart with his song, Rich Men North of Richmond. And that song was even brought up during Wednesday night's presidential debate. We will have all the juicy gossip of how this song got to be number one. This guy who evidently bought a trailer of some type to live in for, bought it for $750, I think. He's gone from that, and that's not a monthly fee. That's what he paid for it in total. Gone from that to being the number one and hottest song in the world right now. Oliver Anthony News, we've got that, plus some other entertainers and all that packaged in our Nashville Music Line report coming up in our Number two, also in our second hour today, we've got a breakdown of this weekend's tour championship as the 2022-23 PGA Tour concludes this weekend, and the winner of that is going to walk away with more than $10 million in their bank account, and I'll tell you the exact amount for the winner, and I'll tell you the 30 golfers that have made their way to Eastlake just to the east of Atlanta for this weekend's tour championship, and that's coming up in hour number two. Hour number three today, in addition to more coverage of the Republican presidential debate, we've got a Southern sports update, and today in our third hour, our update's going to be all about the Mississippi 
land shark black bear rebels as we're on a tour across the southeast getting you ready for the start of college football and today it's all about lane kiffin's crew we'll let you know what's going on we'll actually let you hear from lane kiffin as he spoke this week at a presser for the local media there in oxford so it's all about the red and blue of mississippi the university of mississippi is our latest stop on our college football tour and we'll be going to the grove in our third hour and also in our final hour today we've got a southern travel report we've got some great festivals going on across the south this weekend and we'll let you know all about the french organ music festival going on in the kansas city area plus in mckenzie tennessee this weekend get ready for sweet tea and southern picking all that right there in that beautiful carroll county town in west tennessee all that's part of our festivals of the south And we've got them all coming for all 16 states, and we'll share that with you in our final hour today. If you'd like to be involved with y'all, we certainly want to hear from you. Our number to text any time of day is 615-208-4184. Or if you have the more desire to email us, we certainly welcome that kind of feedback as well. And our email address here on the show all about the Southeast is mail mail at y'all.com and we're constantly checking that email inbox looking for your feedback in fact if you want to weigh in we'll try to get your opinion before we get out of here today if you want to weigh in on what you thought the good and bad performances were during that republican presidential debate wednesday night we would love to get your feedback just drop us an email mail at yall.com so let's dive into that republican presidential debate here to start off the y'all show for this Thursday. The name that you need to remember, we've been telling you a little bit about him the whole time the last couple of weeks. He is surging, and he looked mighty impressive out there in Milwaukee Wednesday night. Vivek Ramaswamy, the political newcomer, the 38-year-old, in my opinion and the opinion of a lot of the talking heads after this debate, he was really a shining star. If nothing else, he almost seemed like one of the commentators on cnn said he almost seemed like donald trump's proxy he didn't take any kind of shot at trump during this debate he held firm on his conservatism and he came aimed and ready with the perfect responses this guy's slick in fact i think i saw somewhere where chris christie is already doubling down on him seeing that he's really going to be a a little bit more of a competitor than anybody thought going forward. And Chris Christie's calling him a rookie. And he's Chris Christie's likening the Ohio newcomer to a Barack Obama amateur. Yeah, they're 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 pulling out all the the tricks against now Ramaswamy. I thought he did a great job. This guy's pretty sharp for thirty eight years old. And he wasn't the only star but I, I felt like after watching this thing that he was the main star. His fellow Indian-American also getting a lot of praise as the former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, who was actually up there on stage right beside him to his, I guess would have been his left stage right. And she held firm. She doesn't like to be talked down to, and she stood up for her beliefs and more. But one thing that we'll play for you today is a conversation that Ramaswamy had with Mike Pence. And in that, Pence is essentially shaming Ramaswamy for being inexperienced, 
for being an, a political newcomer, for being 38 years old. I thought that was a little low blow. In fact, when we play this clip, you're going to hear some of the crowd there in Milwaukee booing the former vice president for getting a little dirty in the tactics. But all in all, personally, even though Trump wasn't there, the far and away front runner, I felt like this was pretty good entertainment. And it, if you're a conservative, it reminded you once again how conservatives should not lose this upcoming election. This was a debate that showed bright people all with a good vision that you could see every one of the eight people on stage there easily would be better off as president than what we currently have in Joe Biden. They all were, they were all smart. They were all, they may not have had the exact answer that you're looking for, but at least they had an answer. And I felt like this was a good representation of the Republican party Wednesday in Milwaukee. I think the Republican party from the 38-year-olds like Ramaswamy, even up to Mike Pence. Mike Pence may have been the least performing guy there, although Aza Hutchinson wasn't too far behind. And the only reason I say that is the former vice president is a all-American kind of guy, but he keeps throwing his faith almost at every opportunity. And I know that's an important part of his life, and I'm not about to shame anybody for their faith, but he has to keep reminding us of that, and that's not going to win you a general election. Sadly, it's not going to win you a general election. And so I thought that Mike Pence did not do himself any favors during this Republican presidential debate. One thing that came out of it was that there was a question posed about would they support President Trump if he were the nominee in 2024 and of the eight people on stage seven of the eight all agreed that they would support donald trump as president only one person refused to support trump and that was the former arkansas senator and governor asa hutchinson he really has an axe to grind and i'm surprised that chris christie would be in support of president trump that was extremely surprising there but kudos to christie I know he's in a, a fight now politically with Trump, but when it all comes down to it, if you're truly a, a person of the conservative side and you're, you're a person of the Republican side, for God's sakes, put your differences aside. If Trump's eligible to be president and he's not sitting in a jail and not, not been proven that he can't be president by the Supreme Court or the Constitution, this country would be far better off with him than Joe Biden. The country would be far better off, as I said, with any of those eight people up on stage than what we currently have with Joe Biden. Now, one person also that did not do very well was South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott. He really whiffed on this night, in my opinion. He is a nice guy, but nice guys finish last in politics. And so Scott did not do well. The North Dakota governor, nice guy, but again, not exactly the viral moment that you're looking for. And maybe maybe the biggest loser was DeSantis. DeSantis continues to slide a guy that was supposed to be the cure for Donald Trump because he was going to be able to bring in all the conservatives in on one, one swoop. And because of that, he was going to be able to knock off Trump. 
and DeSantis is having a hard time sticking. DeSantis keeps going back to the Florida well about how incredible he won in 2022, the governor's reelection, all the great things that he's done in Florida. Guess what? There's 49 other states that don't care so much about Florida. And that's maybe what DeSantis needs to stop thinking about the Sunshine State and start thinking about how he's going to differ himself than anybody else, including Trump, if elected president. But all in all, watching the talking heads after this thing was over, most of them gave high praise to Vivek Ramaswamy, and Nikki Haley got some love too, and and I, I think that's about it. Chris Christie, I thought, did fairly well too, and the winner really was Trump. Trump won by not even being there. That's that's really the the whole point. That's how Ramaswamy's getting a lot of attention because he almost, as I said, seemed like Trump's proxy there in Milwaukee on Wednesday evening. Let's go in and hear our first of a couple of clips that we've got set up on today's y'all show. And they didn't hold back with the conversations there, including talking about abortion. And the former South Carolina governor and former UN ambassador Nikki Haley discussed abortion and Ron DeSantis, her fellow Southern governor, current governor of Florida, uh, talking with the former governor of South Carolina, these two Southerners getting into a abortion discussion in that debate in Milwaukee. Let's go in and hear that conversation courtesy of the Fox News channel. Now it's been put in the hands of the people. That's great. When it comes to a federal ban, let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes. It will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus. Can't we all agree that we should ban late-term abortions? Can't we all agree that we should encourage adoptions? Can't we all agree that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them? Can't we all agree that contraception should be available? And can't we all agree that we are not going to put a woman in jail or give her the death penalty if she gets an abortion? Let's treat this like the like a respectful issue that it is and humanize the situation and stop demonizing the situation. Vice President Pence, Governor DeSantis, you signed a six-week abortion ban in Florida. Uh, one of your biggest financial backers said that you need to, quote, shift to get moderates or you will lose. What do you say to him and others who say politically that is a tough thing to sell nationally? Well, I would say we sold uh, the biggest election landslide victory in the history of the Republican Party in the state of Florida in 2022. That's what I did. We can win. But second of all, look, um, you got to do what you think is right. I believe in a culture of life. Uh, I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill. Uh, I remember one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. What the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. I know a lady in Florida named Penny. She survived multiple abortion attempts. She was left discarded in a pan. Fortunately, her grandmother saved her and brought her to a different hospital. We're better than what the Democrats are selling. We are not going to allow abortion all the way up till birth, and we will hold them accountable for their extremism. From Wednesday's Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee, that the South Carolina former Governor Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis 
on the subject of abortion, which was a big, big topic Wednesday in the Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Republicans, for the most part, stand firm that they don't believe that you should just terminate a baby right before it's born. And the consensus seems to be the 15-week, but there are still those like the Mike Pence's of the world who are more about not having abortion of any kind. And so that's an issue that will continue to divide not just Republicans, but it's going to come back and really hurt Republicans when they're trying to get the independent voters and maybe even if they do a good job getting a Democratic voter to even consider Republican, this abortion thing is going to likely keep biting Republicans as it did in 2022 when they failed to dominate in the midterms by not getting a a sizable lead in the U.S. House and then still having a minority in the United States Senate, plus a lot of other races around the country, frankly, have not been so kind to Republicans. But we'll have other clips going forward in the show today. We've got Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy going after each other, mainly because of age. We'll have that clip coming up in the Y'all Show in our third hour. In our second hour, though, we're going to take you away from Milwaukee, and we'll take you to Tucker Carlson, where he and President Trump got together earlier this week, and they debuted their very, very colorful interview almost right in the middle of Wednesday night's debate, and we'll have that for you in hour number two today, so make sure you hang around for that conversation. Let's move on to other stories, and it still involves Trump, even though we try to move away from stories. It's hard to move away from this one, because today in Atlanta, President Trump's going to show up, and he's going to have his mug shot, just like Rudy Giuliani had his done on Wednesday, and others that are involved in this whole 19-person indictment against Trump and what the prosecution would say his co-conspirators on trying to change the Georgia presidential election count back in 2020. He's expected to surrender today in Georgia's Fulton County at this overcrowded jail on the northwest side of Atlanta, the Fulton County Jail. And Trump's going to be brought in just like Giuliani was on Wednesday and mugshot and, I guess, fingerprinted and more. He will likely be able to make his $200,000 bond payment and get out of there but it's the first time we're going to see a trump first time we're ever going to see a former president with a mug shot for god's sakes and that's going to happen because of fanny willis and what she's done there in fulton county georgia over the last couple of years with this case and today that's going to be the big story again this story sucking oxygen away from the republican presidential debate that we saw from milwaukee on Wednesday evening, and that again happening today. So that'll be the big story when we get back together on our Friday Y'all Show. Speaking of abortions, as we were saying earlier about Nikki Haley bringing that up in the Republican debate Wednesday, her native South Carolina has an all-male Supreme Court right now, and that all-male state Supreme Court has reversed course on abortion, upholding a law banning most most of such procedures except in the earliest weeks of pregnancy. A 4-1 ruling has gone into effect in South Carolina, and that, as a result of that, it erodes some of the legal abortion access across the South. 
and therefore you've got this change in South Carolina. Republican state lawmakers recently replaced the only woman on the high court as Justice Kay Hearn was forced to retire because of South Carolina's mandatory retirement age. And again, a 4-1 ruling from the South Carolina State Supreme Court reversing course on abortions and the amount of time it takes legally to have an abortion in South Carolina. That the big story out of the Palmetto State this week. And as we wrap up our headlines for this Thursday edition of the Y'all Show, looking out across the southeast today, a passage in the world of pro wrestling as Terry Funk of the uh, wrestling world has passed away and he retired from wrestling 40 years ago. He announced his retirement in Japan. But this guy, Terry Funk, who has a lot of fans across the southeast and more, he has passed away at the age of 79. And some people say that this wrestler could go toe-to-toe with the best as he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2011. And now this wrestler with Southern Connections has left us at the age of 79. A lot of those guys have moved on to the big wrestling ring in the sky. We wish uh, his family the best. As this native of Hammond, Indiana, but grew up in Amarillo, Texas, he earned the nickname the Hardcore Legend. If you watch WWE wrestling way back in the day, you'll remember when he teamed up with his friend and, and did the Rock and Roll Express. He did that with Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton. And they went and defeated people like Doug Gilbert of Lexington, Tennessee along the way and went up against Jerry Lawler and others. Again, from the world of professional wrestling, the loss of Terry Funk to report to you on today's Y'all Show. Well, that wraps up our news headlines for this opening hour of Y'all. Hang on when we come back on the show all about the South here in this opening hour. We're going to give you the latest sports news of the day. And before hour one is up, we've got hashtag hullabaloo where we have all the fun stuff coming in from social media. We'll talk about John R. Cash and more. All that's coming right up on the show that shakes the Southland. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line.
Toby, you should have been here on our Wednesday Y'all Show, and we featured your favorite Oklahoma Sooners. Today on the Y'all Show, in our final hour, it is all about the Mississippi Land Shark Black Bear Rebels, as we're going to tell you about Lane Kiffin's 2023 team, which enters the top 25 going into the season. And they've got a top 25 clash in week number two this year, as they're at Tulane, but they open up against the Mercer Bears. We'll tell you all about the University of Mississippi, our featured school on this Thursday edition of the Y'all Show. But let's keep it in the SEC with our first sports story here and our sports coverage of the Southeast in hour number one of the Y'all Show. And we go to Athens for an update on Georgia's football program and running back Branson Robinson, the former number one ranked bank at the 2022 class who rushed for 341 yards for the national championship season last year. Unfortunately, Robinson's going to miss the season with a ruptured patellar tendon. That, according to Kirby Smart, as he announced that Wednesday. Robinson got the injury in a non-contact drill at practice earlier in the week. And according to Kirby Smart, it won't affect Georgia's run-pass ratio that they have capable backs, but he was one of their better backs. Robinson had recovered from a turf toe injury during the offseason when it was looking good in recent days. Kendall Milton, the projected starter who rushed for 592 yards and eight touchdowns in the 22 season, he's been bothered by a hamstring injury during preseason camp in Athens. And Coach Smart said that Kendall Milton has taken more reps of late but still isn't 100% healthy. So some depth questions right now for the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Now, over the weekend, Kirby Smart revealed that Carson Beck, Stetson Bennett's backup in the 22 season, he's going to open up as the starting quarterback for the Dogs when the Skyhawks of UT Martin fly south to Athens for a game on September 2nd. Of course, this game this year, this season, is going to have a couple of changes within the coaching staff. Mike Bobo, the former Dog quarterback in the mid-90s, he's taken over as sort of the offensive mindset for Georgia. He was promoted from analyst to offensive coordinator back in February. Mike Bobo, old baldy, now leading the offense for Kirby Smart. And a lot of familiar faces on that coaching staff. People like Will Muschamp still on that coaching staff for Georgia. And I think Will helps out with the defense. I think that's what his job is, the former Gamecock head football coach. But a very talented Georgia football program, unfortunately taking one, unfortunately, kind of on the knee, not on the chin, with this announcement this week that running back Branson Robinson is going to miss the entire 23 season with a ruptured patellar tendon. We wish that young man all the best. Some NFL news and Dallas Cowboys defensive end Sam 
Williams has been arrested. He was arrested Sunday on charges of possession of a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of a weapon. Arrested in the Cowboys training camp and really their, uh, I guess they're only in their portion of training camp. It's their home base. It's not Dallas. They, they, they pretty much reside in Frisco, north of Dallas. And that's where Sam Williams was arrested in Frisco, Texas on Sunday. The Cowboys arrived back early Sunday after a preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks, a game that the Seahawks actually won on Saturday evening. And Sam Williams was arrested later on Sunday after the return from Seattle. He actually participated in Tuesday's practice. Under the NFL's personal conduct policy, Williams is subject to a fine or suspension for the incident. The the Dallas Cowboys are aware of the arrest but have declined comment. According to Frisco Police, the controlled substance charge is for another substance, not for possession of marijuana, and is a state jail felony. The unlawful carrying of a weapon is a Class A misdemeanor in the state of Texas. So some legal problems for Sam Williams, defensive end for Jerry Jones's Dallas Cowboys. The NFL guys will be up and going on this Thursday. There are two preseason games that will be wrapping up these teams' preseason schedule. And Pittsburgh will be in Atlanta taking on the Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's an NFL Network broadcast that starts at 7.30, 6.30 Central. And the Indianapolis Colts are going to be in the city of brotherly love. The Eagles await the Colts. And that game from Philly is going to be on Amazon Prime Video in prime time starting at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Then you've got a bunch of games Friday. Panthers hosting the Lions. Tennessee Titans, got they've got New England in town. And the Niners and the Chargers get together at Levi's Stadium Friday. A slew of games Saturday. And then the preseason wraps up on Sunday with the New Orleans Saints hosting the Houston Texans at the Caesars Superdome. That's a Fox Network broadcast that starts at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. And that's a look at some sports news here on this Thursday, y'all show. If you stay with us in hour number two today in our sports coverage, we're going to mix in some PGA Tour talk as the Tour Championship gets underway today at East Lake Golf Club in Atlanta, the final stop on the 23 schedule for the PGA Tour. And there are 30 golfers that made the cut, and they're all vying for the incredible money that's out there to the winner of this year's PGA Tour Championship. And I'll break down who all made the field. Remember, Roy McIlroy is your defending tour champion on the PGA Tour. So we'll have all that coverage. They get going early on this Thursday in Atlanta. And I'll have that for you in hour number two of the Y'all Show. When we come back, we've got hashtag hullabaloo all lined up for you. This is where we go on social media and find some incredibly awesome things to pass along. And we'll do just that when the Y'all Show comes back and included in that fun we've got a little information on johnny cash and his relationship with the old south plus we've got something about joe biden's performance how's he doing in the south well people are chiming in and i'll have all that for you when hashtag hullabaloo arrives right after this Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
the trash, making bets. Lips wrapped round our cigarettes. She always thought she was too good to be a waitress. There's a lady that had a birthday this week. That's Casey Musgraves right back here on Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. We're going to talk about Casey's fellow country music singer Johnny Cash in a second. But up first here on Hashtag Hullabaloo for this Thursday, we've got a political-related X that has come in courtesy of the account at Politics Courage. Politics Courage has a formerly known as Tweet, I guess you would call it an X now, with the following, President Biden's performance approval or disapproval level. And this is broken down, and I don't know where it came from, but we'll go with it here, y'all. Just trust me, as we we had plenty of political conversation earlier this hour with our re- recap of the Republican presidential debate Wednesday in Milwaukee. So we'll talk about Democrats here for a moment and President Biden's performance. And this is coming in courtesy of Politics Courage on X. And this says, according to this posting, that in the South, that President Biden has a 39% approval rating and a 54% disapproval rating in the South. And when you compare that to the Midwest, Biden has a 37 approval and a 51 disapproval. So he's slightly more loved in the South than the Midwest, but he also has more disapproval. I guess there's more of the non-answer going on in some of these areas too. But the point is more than half of both the South and the Midwest are disapproving of Joe Biden with only 39% of Southerners saying, yeah, he's doing a good job. This thing also breaks down this post. The income level of people that are making around, uh, let's see, less than $50,000 a year. And in that breakdown, Biden has a 35% approval and a 54% disapproval rating. So the poor people are not happy with Joe Biden, according to this social media post. If the income is higher than that, I think the the numbers go up. But all in all, things are not looking good. In fact, there's one posting here that shows that 63% of respondents who are in rural areas are disapproving of Joe Biden, only 30% in this case are approving of Joe Biden in what's called the rural areas. I don't know where this research came from, but it comes, if you want to go check it out for yourself, on the account at Politics Courage. I would think this is pretty accurate. I, I think Joe Biden is not doing very well. 
and his approval rating in Hawaii right now, the Aloha State, it's probably half of of 30. It's probably 15% based on the reaction that he and others and in his administration have given the island of Maui in the last two weeks. Completely uncalled for. Let's move on to a post from R. Wolf Grayson at W-A-N-A-G-I Warrior, Wanagi Warrior. As according to his social media post, Wolf Grayson is a writer, a lawyer, a marksman, an ex-Marine, 2nd Recon Battalion, by the way, and an unreconstructed Southerner. That's what he has posted on his social media account. And he is reposting something from a guy named Jasper Thompson, who put up a image of Johnny Cash, smoking a cigarette, by the way, with the caption underneath the Johnny Cash image, I assume Johnny Cash once said this, I won't ever stop loving you, my Dixie, till they put me in the ground. The last words they'll probably hear from me are God bless Robert E. Lee. That's actually a song, God bless Robert E. Lee, that Johnny Cash recorded. And it is not all that familiar. Maybe I should have played it starting the segment out. Maybe I should play it later. But Johnny Cash recorded that song. Johnny Cash also recorded Johnny Reb that Johnny Horton once made. And again, the words to that are, are poetic. I won't ever stop loving you, my Dixie, till they put me in the ground. The last words they'll probably hear from me are God bless Robert E. Lee. That from the song from Johnny Cash. So Jasper Thompson posted that. And Wolf Grayson saw that and said, Dixie, I thank the Lord that I'm Southern by the grace of God. My last thoughts aloud would probably include, along with General R.E. Lee, Nathan Bedford Forrest. And that quote would be something like, they'll probably hear me in my last words say, God bless Nathan Bedford Forrest or Robert E. Lee. Or you could use Stonewall Jackson's famous quote that he actually said as his dying words. Do y'all know what those were? His final words were, strike the tent. And you're probably thinking, what the heck did Stonewall mean when he said that after he was mortally wounded by his own men at Chancellorsville? Strike the tent would be the term used when you're in an army and you're out sleeping in tents all the time. It meant... Let's pick up and go. Let's go somewhere else. Let's strike the tent and set it up somewhere else. And in 1862, I think that was, no, it might have been 18, 1863 was the year that Stonewall was killed. And early in that portion of the year 1863, the Confederacy was doing quite well. They even won that battle at Chancellorsville that cost the life of Thomas Jonathan Stonewall Jackson. But after his death, Lee lost his right arm, I think is the term. And he couldn't quite be the general that he was. And therefore, when they went across into Pennsylvania and fought at places like Gettysburg, there was a noticeable difference in the leadership of the Confederate Army under Robert E. Lee. And in the end, two years later, Lee would surrender. 
I think if I were to die, I don't think I would say, God bless Robert E. Lee. There's a common phrase often said that goes something like, God bless the South. God bless Dixie. I don't think Robert E. Lee would be at the tip of my tongue, but I like Robert E. Lee. I really do. I like all those guys. And I like Johnny Cash, you know. Not a big fan of his all of his music, but Johnny Cash was certainly a Arkansan that did an incredible job with his style and music, and he is beloved by so many people around the world. And so when we think about country music, he's right there, and he wasn't even one of the biggest hit makers in country music. I've been able to pull up this song, God Bless Robert E. Lee from Johnny Cash, and I'll have to find a way to play it in here at some point. I'm trying to find out who wrote it. Did Johnny Cash write this song? No, it was written by songwriters Vickery and Borchers. It's out on YouTube and things like that. I'm trying to find out what album this could have been part of that Johnny recorded. But a song called God Bless Robert E. Lee. And it has caught the attention of a couple of people here today. And we're not afraid to talk about it. Because, oh, I think this album that this comes from is Johnny 99. That came out in 1983. Johnny 99. Johnny Cash's 69th album. On Columbia Records. And sure enough, that song there was the track number three on that. As far as singles from there, there were three, but none of those were big hits in country music at least. Had a whole bunch of great writers that contributed to songs on this album. Bruce Springsteen was one of the writers of a song called Highway Patrolman. Guy Clark. Springsteen had another song called it was the title track, Johnny 99. And then he had George Jones write a song called I'm Ragged, But I'm Right. That was on this Johnny 99 record out on Columbia Records in 1983. And that's where you'll be able to find the song God Bless Robert E. Lee. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up the hashtag color blue for today. And that wraps up this First hour, we got a lot more coming. And maybe I'll be able to slide in some God bless Robert E. Lee at some point going forward in the show. When we come back in hour number two, we've got plenty of great conversation about the Southeast. More on the Republican presidential debate from Milwaukee, Wisconsin that went down on Wednesday. We have that. Plus, country music news and notes. A guy completely unknown just two weeks ago is number one on the chart Oliver Anthony will tell you the incredible story of how he's the number one song in country music. And he's only played two concerts in his life, as far as I know. All that's coming up. Plus, before Hour 2 wraps up, we've got to look at all that PGA Tour championship that's going on at East Lake in Atlanta. So plenty of good stuff, but we'll start it off in Hour 2 with more on the Republican presidential debate from Milwaukee, Wisconsin that happened on Wednesday evening. All right here on the show that covers all things Southern. If you want to be involved, you can text us at 615-208-4184 or drop us an email, mail at y'all.com. We'll be right back, y'all. Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy. 
and you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter, yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. That's how you can reach us here any old time of day at the Y'all Show. This is the show all about the southeast of the United States as we have Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia blanketed. We got you covered, 16 states. And all you residents of the South, we got you covered with a dose of news and political goings-on. we got a lot of politics on this Thursday, y'all, show as we're recapping Wednesday night's big Republican debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This hour, we're actually going to not hear from some of that debate that happened in Milwaukee. We're going to hear all about President Donald Trump, who intentionally skipped that debate. And he visited with Tucker Carlson on X. And we've got a clip that we're going to play for you here in just a few moments of President Trump talking about President Biden and going to the beach, for goodness sakes, plus some Ukraine talk mixed in here as well. We'll have that in our third hour today. We've got audio back from the debate Wednesday evening of Vice President Pence, who was Trump's VP, of course. Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy going after each other on that debate stage in Milwaukee. We've got a clip of that that we've got shared, and we'll have that courtesy of the Fox News Channel in our final hour. But we've got plenty of conversation about politics on today's Y'all Show. And speaking of President Trump, today's a big day, not just because he, even without being in Milwaukee, probably still is the shining news story from Wednesday night because nobody had a fatal blow that they were able to have against Trump Wednesday. None of those Republican fellows. But today, there's a little bit of a bad image coming in for Donald Trump. It's going to be a mugshot, as Trump's going to be in Atlanta today, and he'll be going to the Atlanta Fulton County Jail, and there he'll be booked and formally be, I guess, the charges leveled against him coming from Fannie Willis's investigation in the state of Georgia as she indicted him last week. Now he's got to show up in Fulton County. He'll do that. It's not going to be the prettiest of days in Trump world. That's going on. We've got information on that. Plus, a big story out of South Carolina when it comes to abortion. All that we'll have for you here in this second hour of the Y'all Show in our headlines. And also coming up in this second hour of the Y'all Show, we've got in just a few minutes... 
more about Oliver Anthony. If you are not familiar with Oliver, not Oliver Twist, but there's a twist in the way that someone can come out of nowhere and be number one on the chart. And that's exactly what this Virginian has done in the last week to two weeks. He is number one with his song, Rich Men North of Richmond. Got to give my 13-year-old credit for introducing me to this song just a few days ago. And now it's even been brought up on the Republican debate stage Wednesday night. It is the hottest thing going And it gives us inspiration that we too could be the next Oliver Anthony, if we wanted to. I don't think I can sing that great. Maybe you can. But all this is, we'll have the Oliver Anthony news and more as part of our Nashville Music Line report. And it's coming up in the next segment of this middle hour of the Y'all Show. And before we get out of here in this second hour, we've got an update from Eastlake as we've got the opening round today of the Tour Championship of Professional Golf. It's the final event of the calendar for the PGA Tour, and the top 30 golfers who qualified are in the Atlanta area this weekend, and they're competing for a whole bunch of money. And so we'll have all that covered as part of our Southern Sports update for this second hour. And a reminder, in our final hour today, We'll be previewing the University of Mississippi's 2023 football schedule and hear from Lane Kiffin. So it's all about the red and blue of the University of Mississippi. Plus, we'll have a visit about all the festivals going on in the southeast this weekend. All that still to come on Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. So let's get back into the debate talk, but more specifically, the star And in my opinion, the star on Wednesday night of the people actually on stage was political newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy. He, according to the the people after you watch this debate, said that, well, Trump didn't need to be there. This guy did Trump's dirty work. I thought Vivek Ramaswamy, he did the, the best job of anybody. He's conservative. He's sharp. He's smart. He's funny. He's got the hair, and you can't help but think what a bright future this fella has. And it might just be because he's never been in politics before. But you know what? Republicans went down this road in 2016 electing a guy who had never been elected to anything. And at least from a policy standpoint, it worked out pretty dang good. Now, unfortunately, off the policy and off the political thing, Donald Trump hasn't been exactly an Eagle Scout, as evidenced by the fact today he's going to be booked into the Fulton County Jail. But Ramaswamy did a, a fantastic job on the stage. There were eight people up there, and he did good. I thought Nikki Haley did fairly well, still not enough to jumpstart her fledgling bid to be the first woman to be president of the United States. I thought that Chris Christie overall seemed good, loved his answer at the end. They ask him a stupid question about ufos as the debate was winding down and he was like seriously you're asking me about ufos with all the other important things going on thought his attitude that new jersey moxie was really good there and then he he pivoted to get serious about an answer and and ignored the rules essentially and i thought that was a very good way for chris christie to show off his skills as a politician if he were to ever have the opportunity to go head-to-head with Joe Biden. The losers, I thought, 
mostly were Tim Scott, nice guy, just just can't quite sink in how he could be president of the United States. And Ron DeSantis, in my opinion, did not help himself, in my opinion, all that great because he didn't have that lasting blow, that, that, that kind of, I'm here, I'm legit, you got to go with me, and if you go with me, we're going to win this thing. That's my summary, and that also was a summary that you likely heard if you stayed on television after the debate ended Wednesday night. Now, one person not at this debate was Donald Trump. He chose earlier in the week to say, you know what, y'all just go after each other. I've got such a large lead. I don't need to be in Milwaukee. So what did he do? He joined Tucker Carlson on the X platform, and they had their own big-time personal discussion. And in true Trump form, a lot of policy there, but a lot of humor and a lot of Trump. So right now we've got a clip from that conversation that Trump and Carlson had on X. Let's go hear that right now on the Y'all Show as he talks about Biden and the beach and Ukraine and just a whole mumble-jumble mess, but just as entertaining as a Republican presidential debate. That's why they scheduled this thing to debut on Wednesday. Here's President Trump and Tucker Carlson, courtesy of X. And with COVID, they use COVID to cheat in a lot of different things. And we have so much on it. It's like so easy. But we had judges that didn't want to look. We had people didn't want to get involved. They could you. He's a conspiracy theorist if you say anything about the election. But I have never seen spirit like there is right now. Even coming down here, just the people on the road that are just absolutely going crazy. And the reason is... I think they like me, and I I know they love my policies. I hope they like me, too. You know, a lot of people say they don't like me, but they like my policies. I think they like me. But I have never seen spirit like it is right now. And the reason is because crooked Joe Biden is so bad. He's the worst president in the history of our country. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate, but, you know, you never know. But he's a corrupt person, so corrupt that I took the name off Hillary. You know, I don't do two people at one time. I took the crooked Hillary and I made it. I retired the name. That was a good day for her. I bet she was very happy. <laughs> and I used it for Joe because it's crooked Joe. But Joe is really. But you don't think he's going to make it to November of 20? Well, I, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically. And physically, he's not exactly uh, a triathlete or any kind of an athlete. You look at him, he can't walk to the helicopter. He, he walks. He can't lift his feet out of the grass. You know, it's only two inches at the White House, right? That's not a lot. But you watch him, and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. So, and then you see him in the beach where he can't lift a chair. You know, those chairs are meant to be light, right? They're like two ounces. Yeah. You lift them up. He can't lift the chair. He can't walk to the chair. And I, I don't know what they're doing with the beach. You know, this beach is seeming to play a big role, but they love pictures of him on the beach. I think he looks terrible on the beach. Looks terrible on the beach. Skinny legs. Well, he can't walk through the sand. You know, sand is not that easy to walk through. But when he walks through it, he can't walk through the sand. And there's somebody in there that thinks he looks fabulous at the beach. I think he looks horrible at the beach. Plus, the beach doesn't represent what a president's supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be working. You're supposed to be getting us out of that horrible, horrible war that we're very much involved in with Russia and Ukraine, you could do that. You could do that very easily. I believe you could do that very... I don't believe he could do it because he's just incompetent. But that's a war that 
should end immediately, not because of one side or the other, because hundreds of thousands of people are being killed. Can you imagine you're in an apartment house and rockets are going into that building and blowing it up and knocking it down? And who, who can, why, why should anything, why should anybody, human beings, these are human, whether they're Russian or Ukrainian or whatever they are, it's got to be stopped. And it can't be stopped very easily. It would have never started. If I were president, it would have never started. From the ex-social media platform, Elon Musk would be proud. This time, this was a pretty good day in the world of X, formerly known as Twitter. That was Tucker Carlson and an interview he did with the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And that aired sort of opposite of Wednesday's Republican presidential debate from Milwaukee. And that was very good counter-programming from the by far ahead of the Republican fight for 2024, Donald Trump. And he's going to be back in the headlines today as he's going to be taken to the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. The Rice Street Jail welcomes in the 45th president of the United States where he's going to be booked on charges of illegally scheming to overturn his 2020 election loss in the state of Georgia. And he'll have his mugshot, Rudy Giuliani. He was there on Wednesday to get his mugshot. It's actually not. I thought they might put him in a jumpsuit. Luckily, that didn't happen for Giuliani. They may may have an orange jumpsuit over there for Trump just to humiliate him in some way. But Trump there in Atlanta, and he's going to be formally presented those charges today. Fannie Willis is going to be somewhere in the background with a big smile on her face and her prosecution team as they're looking to bring Trump down as they're just one of many who are out to get Trump. She might have an opportunity to do so because this is a state court. And our last headline of this hour, South Carolina's new all-male Supreme Court has reversed course on abortion. On Wednesday, they upheld a law that bans most abortion procedures except in the earliest weeks of pregnancy. This was a 4-1 ruling in South Carolina's highest court, and this happened as a result of Justice Kay Hearn having to retire. South Carolina's mandatory retirement age forced her off the bench, and lawmakers replaced her on the court. She was the only woman, and now they've got a ruling that strikes down what was in place before, and Now, most abortion procedures are banned in South Carolina, except in the earliest weeks of pregnancy, according to this new ruling from South Carolina's state Supreme Court, reversing course on abortion. That's a look at some of our headlines here across the South in hour number two. We've got more headlines coming in hour three included. We'll go back to Milwaukee and have a wonderful fun and uh, high anxiety clip between the former Vice President Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy. That from the debate stage Wednesday. We've got that that we'll share with you. All that ahead on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to scoot over and give you all of the country music and entertainment news of the day. It's the Nashville Music Line Report, and it's headed your way next. Stay tuned to the show all about the South, powered by the South's homepage. Y'all.com. Go there right now. We've just posted some brand new stories that you don't want to miss out on. So it's y'all.com and the y'all show 
is coming right back. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. When Robert E. Lee surrendered the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis was upset about it. He said, how dare that man rescind an order from the president of the Confederate States of America. And then somebody told him that General Lee had made the decision himself in order to save lives because he felt that the battle coming up would cost about 20,000 lives on both sides. And he said, 240,000 dead already is enough. So this song is not about the North or the South, but about the bloody brother war. Brother against brother, father against son, the war that nobody won. And for all those lives that were saved, I gotta say, God bless Robert E. Lee. Well, the mansion where the general used to live is burning down Cotton fields are blue with Sherman's truth I overheard a Yankee say Yesterday Nashville fell So I'm on my way to join the fight General Lee might need my help But look away Look away Dixie I don't want them to see What they're doing To my Dixie God bless Robert E. Lee We referenced that song in our first hour today That from the 1983 Columbia Records project Johnny 99. That's Johnny Cash and God bless Robert E. Lee. (laughs) We're back on the Y'all Show here in our second hour. We've got news from Nashville and all that's going on in country music and a few other entertainment things to report here before we move over later in this hour to our coverage of the PGA Tour as its tour championship starts today at Eastlake in Atlanta. The big news in country music, and it is big news, as Oliver Anthony becomes the first artist to launch his career at number one on the Billboard chart. This guy, I had never heard his song, 
I had not heard his name. There's a reason for it. He's not on a major label. He's hanging out in Virginia, as far as I know. And less than two weeks ago, Oliver Anthony, whose name is Christopher Anthony Lunsford, he went viral for his working-class anthem that he recorded and put out on social media, Rich Men North of Richmond. I played it on Wednesday's Y'all Show, so I'm not going to play it today. It actually has a couple of bad words in there. <laughs> but that doesn't seem to matter. It's the, it's the number one song in the country. Rich Men North of Richmond. And this is a guy who was a blue-collar musician in Virginia that's been dealing with sobriety. And he's now had millions and millions of streams of this song. It debuted number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. He's the first artist to launch his career in the number one spot with no prior chart history. It has earned already 17.5 million streams. It sold 147,000 downloads. And it's not even being promoted on radio. It's already gotten 553,000 radio airplay audience impressions. It's number one on both country charts, on the sales and the airplay. It also debuted Richmond, Rich Men, north of Richmond. You've got to be careful how you say it. It also debuted number one on Billboard's digital song sales chart. And it knocked off Taylor Swift on some of these charts. An unbelievable debut by a complete unknown in Oliver Anthony. And he has got on social media and talked a little bit about his sudden success. Saying all the major record labels in Nashville are falling over themselves to lure Oliver Anthony. The irony is, if he would have been signed to a label when he wrote this song... None of us would have ever heard it. His song fried their brains. Their greed is overriding their wokeness. That from this guy from Virginia. And there are people trying to get in touch with him. Record label executives like rapper Gucci Mane and country music's big and rich guy that's kind of a rebel himself, John Rich, have expressed their desire to work with Oliver Anthony. But how about that? I think I saw the other day he turned down a roughly $7 million offer to sign with one of the record labels of Nashville. That doesn't happen, y'all. This guy's got guts. And if you haven't heard the song, he has some lyrics in Rich Men North of Richmond. Lyrics include, I've been selling my soul, working all day, Overtime hours for, he uses the real thing, BS pay. So I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. And this is all coming from this complete newcomer, Oliver Anthony. Now, just the other day, he performed at the Morris Farm Market in Currituck, North Carolina. And I was looking at his website or something out there. I think this was only his second performance ever. I think. Maybe it's only the second performance here in recent history. But what a un- 
unbelievable story coming out of Virginia with this guy. And his music video, if you haven't seen it, is pretty simple. It's just him singing in the woods with a deer stand in the background. And I think his dog's in the background too. Oliver Anthony. His social media is Oliver underscore Anthony underscore music underscore. Pretty amazing. The success that he's got here. And he's already accumulated nearly a half million Twitter or X followers since joining earlier this month. He's only been on it a couple of weeks and he's already got half million followers. He's got nearly a million followers on Instagram. And he has four songs in the top ten on the iTunes chart. With Rich Men North of Richmond still number one. This guy's, you could say, got it going on. There have been a lot of people expressing support for him, including some conservative people of notoriety, people like Joe Rogan, Carrie Lake, the lady that ran for governor in Arizona. You also have Marjorie Green, the Georgia congressman. She supported support for the song. And just a a once-in-a-lifetime type story here. Again, he is the first person ever to land at number one on the Billboard chart that had never been on the chart before. This is his first song released out there. Oliver Anthony. As of August, as of this month, he lived in a $750 camper on an off-the-grid property in Virginia. He said he intends to raise livestock. He's a high school dropout. He worked in industrial jobs in both North Carolina and Virginia. Worked at a paper mill in North Carolina where he had a work accident 10 years ago which fractured his skull and he's unable to work for half a year. He's done outside sales and manufacturing and he's just said that he is a nonpartisan. He says, I sit pretty dead center down the aisle on politics and always have. Oliver Anthony, who was born in Farmville, Virginia, and he's right around 30 years young. That's his age. And he has done something nobody else has ever done, period. And the other songs, by the way, that are getting some attention, Ain't Got a Dollar. That one's on the Billboard chart right now, too. And then that Rich Men North of Richmond. Number one on the U.S. chart, the country chart. And right now it's number two on the Billboard Global 200 chart. This is the whole world. This guy's living in a trailer. A seven hundred. He's living in a $750 camper. Okay, he's not paying $750 a month rent. He bought a camper for $750. And now he's got this kind of amazing success. Yeah, his recent performances have all been in North Carolina as he performed for the first time, as far as I can tell, ever at the Morris Farm Market in Barco, North Carolina. That was back last Sunday, August 13th. And then over this past weekend, he performed at the Eagle Creek Golf Club and Grill in Mayock, North Carolina. Oliver Anthony. What a 
What a start. Again, I try to follow this stuff. I should follow it. It's kind of what I do. And I'd never heard of this guy. I'd never heard this song until Friday afternoon, just a few days ago. And I heard it on radio stations in two different markets within an hour of each other. I was like, what is that? Because this song, it stands out because it doesn't have all that slick production. It's him basically screaming into a microphone. But he's found a what we call in the biz a hit. Oliver Anthony. We'll keep our eye and see how, just how long that thing stays at number one. Jesse Coulter, the widow of Waylon Jennings. She has teamed up with her son, Shooter Jennings as well as Margot Price, for a brand new album. Jesse Coulter had one big song in music, I'm Not Lisa, back in the 1970s. And now, her son Shooter, who's had his own music career going for a while, he and Margot Price joining the country music sort of legend. I, I want to call her husband, Waylon, definitely a legend. But Jesse, uh, because of that whole movement there in the 1970s she was part of it so we'll call her a legend too she's putting out in october the album edge of forever Margot produced the 10 song project which shooter jennings mixed that album and it's a follow-up to 2017's the psalms record that jesse coulter produced still a beautiful lady Jesse Coulter, and her new single's out, Standing on the Edge of Forever. It is Jesse Coulter's first single in six years, and Edge of Forever is going to be her 13th album. And she's also got back to the uh, stage. She's also been remarried. I did not, not realize that. We lost Waylon Jennings in 2002, so it's been over 20 years since Waymore passed away of diabetes complications. He's buried out in Arizona. So, what a nice blast from the past with Jesse Coulter teaming up with her son and Margot for some new music. Now, some non-country music to tell you about. It was back around the same time that Waylon Jennings passed away, around 2002, that I remember going into a couple of bars around the southeast, and they had a clock on the wall that was counting down. And it wasn't for the new millennium that had already passed. <laughs> this was a clock counting down until the Olsen twins turned 18. I kid you not. Y'all probably know what I'm talking about. I think it was 18. It could have been 21, but I think it was 18. And one of the Olsen twins, Ashley, has just publicly confirmed that she's a new mama. So congratulations to Ashley Olsen. And we are tickled for her. By the way, I need to find out their ages. If if it's kind of crazy, I'm sitting here telling you that more than 20 years ago, there was a clock on the wall counting down until they turned 18 years old. How about the fact that I guess the Olsen twins shoot, are they pushing 40 now? I would think so. Ashley Olsen was born in 1986. She is 37 years young. She and her twin sister, Mary-Kate, and their incredible TV run that they had there in the days before, really, I guess it was around the same time Britney Spears was rocking it out. They could have even predated Britney Spears for fame of the youngsters, but 
She and Mary-Kate were the talk of the town back with their TV roles and, and such. And now she's in her late 30s and is going to be a mama, I guess, for the first time. She is married to Louis Eisner. That is her husband. Her sister, Mary-Kate, also born June 13, 1986. She divorced her husband, Olivier Sarkozy, two years ago. And as far as I know, she does not have children. So this would be the first Olson to have a child. So we will keep an eye on baby Olson, about to be born soon. This time for Ashley Olson of the Olson Twins fame, as they were on that show Full House. So, yeah, they even predated. If they were on Full House as the little tiny kids, they would have been bigger stars even before Britney. And then you had Miley Cyrus, followed by, I'll go ahead and give Taylor Swift that role. So this was this was one of the leaders of this whole teenage child star phenom. But she wasn't a singer. And the Olsons, as far as I know, really haven't been singers. They've just been actresses and been cult heroes for a lot of people that watched Full House. Full House, which aired back, as I said, all those years. Also starred John Stamos, Bob Saget, the late Bob Saget, and and others. But certainly Stamos and Saget, the headliners of that. And the Olsen twins were were a big part of that TV show that I think was on ABC. was where that aired, yeah, for ABC created and debuted there back in the Reagan era. A good time to be in, by the way. And lastly, Lauren Hill is reuniting with the Fugees for the Miseducation of Lauren Hill 25th Anniversary Tour. So you can go check this out as the tour kicks off September 8th in Minneapolis. Then it goes around the world with stops in Australia, Canada, and a whole bunch of towns in the U.S. The Fugees who split in 1997, that includes Lauren Hill, Wycliffe Jean, and Pross Michelle, or Michael. They are teaming up together for this tour. You can get tickets for Hill's new tour. When they go on sale Friday at her website. So check that out. The lady who came to be, she first released Miseducation in 1998. It's considered to be one of the most influential hip-hop and R&B records ever. As it has the songs Doo-Wop, That Thing, To Zion, and Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You. Lauren Hill. Getting back out on tour in a big way with the Miseducation of Lauren Hill International Tour, a 25th anniversary tour for this lady that's got fans all over the place with her hip-hop and other style. Lauren Hill, by the way, is a native of New Jersey. I didn't think she was a southern girl, although she grew up Baptist. She essentially grew up in the New Jersey area and attended Columbia High School in Maplewood, New Jersey. See, her career would have been a lot better if she'd been from down here, don't you think? But I think her career's gone pretty good thus far. The 
48-year-old East Orange, New Jersey-born Lauren Hill. And that wraps up our entertainment headlines for this second hour of the Y'all Show. When we come back, we will take you to the golf course in Atlanta this weekend. It is the Tour Championship. Roy McElroy is your defending Tour Champion of the PGA Tour. And we'll tell you the 30 golfers that made the cut to Atlanta this weekend and how much is at stake financially if you end up capturing the best money day the PGA Tour has. That plus some other sports news coming up as we wrap up Hour 2 of the Y'all Show. nitty-gritty music for you here on the Y'all Show Thursday edition. Let's wrap up this hour with a little southern sports talk coming from Atlanta's capital city, sort of. I think this golf course is technically in DeKalb County, but Eastlake is the site of this weekend's last stop on the 2022-23 PGA Tour Tour as the Tour Championship goes down at the golf club made famous by Bobby Jones. And 30 golfers have made the cut to play in this tournament. You have to have survived the last two weeks. The first one was at Memphis with the FedEx St. Jude Championship, of which Lucas Glover won that. Then last week up in Chicago, congratulations to former Oklahoma State golfer Victor Hovland, who won that big payday along the shores of Lake Michigan. This week, it's the third consecutive playoff weekend and... The golfers find themselves at this historic course outside of Atlanta, East Lake, competing. And so only 30 players made the cut to get there. Let me go through the list of players making the cut. Jordan Spieth, Sepp Straka, who played at Georgia. Terrell Hatton, Emiliano Grillo, Jason Day, Sam Burns, an LSU golfer. Adam Schink, Colin Morikawa, Taylor Moore, Nick Taylor, Siwoo Kim, Corey Connors, Soon J.M., Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, 
Tom Kim, Oklahoma State alum Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley, Georgia Dog alum Russell Henley, Fairway Jesus Tommy Fleetwood, Wyndham Clark, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Brian Harmon, UGA Dog alum and your current Open Championship winner, Patrick Cantlay, Clemson Tiger alum Lucas Glover, Max Homa, Roy McElroy, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Victor Hovland, Oklahoma State alum. Scotty Scheffler, a Texas alum. I should have thrown that out there. So those are your 30 golfers, of which Scotty Scheffler, I think, has technically more points than anybody entering this opening round today. And so he's got slightly a little bit. They have a points thing that factors into this tournament. and But they all... Get out there, and you have a chance, even if you're the last person entering this thing. I think you technically have a a mathematic chance to win the Tour Championship, and that is going on this weekend, Thursday through Sunday at Eastlake in Atlanta. Now, what about the money for this PGA Tour finale? The winner of the PGA Tour Championship is going to receive $18 million, one eight. That's about six times more than you get from winning a Masters or a U.S. Open, or at least that's what it was about a year or two. You got to give the Live Tour credit. The Live Tour, even though the PGA Tour hated it, it certainly made people wake up and realize we better start paying a lot more for these golfers to compete. And so the winner gets 18 mil. You get $500,000 just by showing up at this golf tournament, making the cut as one of the top 30 golfers. So a tremendous payday. And I don't have the breakdown if you finish second or third or fourth. or There's only 30 playing. And you play all four rounds even if you're dead last unless you withdraw. Why would you withdraw? I'd get out there if I was in this tournament. I'd, I'd do anything I could if I had to crawl on my knees to get that half million dollar payday. That's me. Some of these people make they're making good money. It's it's a good time to be a professional golfer for both the men and the women, frankly. Women they definitely could use a little bit more money to their tour. But yes, 18 million going to the winner at East Lake on Sunday. And I can't wait to tune in and see who walks away with the big paycheck. So that's going on in golf. Also news out of the state of Georgia. Besides golf this week, Georgia running back Branson Robinson is going to miss the entire season with a ruptured patellar tendon. Kirby Smart announcing that on Wednesday. This young man has a freshman last year for the national champion dogs rushed for 341 yards. According to reports, Branson Robinson hurt this tendon in a non-contact drill on Tuesday at practice. According to the Georgia Bulldog head football coach Smart, his loss won't affect Georgia's run-pass ratio as he says they've got capable backs and they are learning how to pass protect. But he did say the loss of this player is going to sting because he was explosive, twitchy, and he could do some things and pass protection and running the ball that some of the other other guys on his silver britches roster 
could not do. Another player on Georgia's football team, Kendall Milton, a projected starter who rushed for 592 yards and eight touchdowns in 2022. He's been bothered by a hamstring injury during preseason camp, so there's some questions about Milton as UGA prepares for UTM to come down and be the opening opponent. The Tennessee Martin Skyhawks will be between the hedges facing Georgia on September 2nd. And so that's Georgia Bulldog football's update for the day. Unfortunately, Branson Robinson's going to have to take a year off. He was the number one ranked back in the 2022 recruiting class and just didn't have, did not have the biggest debut year there in Athens. Although he's got that national championship ring to show off. So that means a lot, I'm sure. But this second year of which he could have been in the backfield for the dogs, he's going to have to put that one on hold and he's going to have to focus on his studies as Robinson out for the entire season with this tendon injury. We wish that young man all the best and we'll keep you updated on all things Georgia and all things SEC, ACC, and heck, we'll even cover the OVC right here on the Y'all Show. That is the home conference of those Skyhawks out of Weekly County in West Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, Martin. Whoop, whoop. Let me hear you, Skyhawk fans. So that's a, because uh, we got plenty of Georgia fans we hear from routinely. So we don't need their praise and love and, and sometimes criticism. You can drop all that affection or hate mail to mail at yall.com. Hey, we'll take it either way. And that wraps up our sports coverage for Hour 2. That wraps up Hour 2 here on the Y'all Show. We've got more sports coming your way in Hour 3. We've got a preview of the University of Mississippi as Lane Kiffin's going to talk about his 2023 football team. And we'll also have our festive report where we tell you about festivals going on across the southeast this weekend. That plus more reaction to Wednesday night's Republican presidential debate. All that is just around the corner. back here final hour of this thursday y'all show john rawl general of all things southern here with you as we've got political activity to tell you about here in our final hour plus we've got a report from the grove as our spotlight school today on our tour across the southeast getting you all queued up for the start of college football we're going to be talking about the university of mississippi lane kiffin talks about his red and blue football team and we'll get you set for their season opener against the Mercer Bears, September 2nd. It's all about the universities of Mississippi's in our second segment here of today's Y'all Show. And before we get out of here this Thursday edition, we've got our Southern Travel Report Festive South Festivals going on across the Southeast this weekend. We've got another watermelon event to tell you about. Plus, if you're in the Kansas City area, there's going to be a French organ music festival going on. And 
in West Tennessee this weekend. It's the Sweet Tea and Southern Picking event. And I'll have all the juicy details on these 16 festivals as we wrap up today's Y'all Show. If you'd like to be involved, you can drop us an email here at y'all, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. It's extremely easy to reach us, and we would love to hear from you here on the show that shakes the Southland. The big story nationwide Wednesday night was the Republican presidential debate, and we start this hour off with more coverage of that from Milwaukee in the home of the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's Fiserv Arena, something like that's where that was held. And I thought it came out, uh, as a as if you're a Republican, I thought it turned out quite well, as there were a lot of shining faces up there that have been, frankly, not getting a lot of attention. And I thought that for the most part, most of them presented their cases and it looked like, hey, these people would all be better off in the White House than who is the current occupant of Pennsylvania Avenue. That is, if you're a conservative, I think you would have felt the same way. Of course, the guy that is most likely going to be the Republican nominee was not even there as he chose to sit out this first presidential debate. Donald Trump instead had counter-programming as he and Tucker Carlson got together and had a Twitter release of an interview, Twitter now called X, and they put that out on social media during the time of the Republican presidential debate. So uh, who comes out on top in the end? I think President Trump still comes out as a visionary and did a good job by likely sitting this thing out. Yes, he could have been up there. And he could have been participating, and he would have been sucking all the energy in the room. Frankly, it's probably, even if you're one of the eight people on stage, deep down, they really should be thanking President Trump for not being there. Why? Because it gave them a chance to present their own vision, their own cases, and they didn't have to sit there and have the audience bewildered and and just amazed by everything Trump said or be critical of Trump. And the... TV host for Fox News Channel, the moderators of the debate, they wouldn't be firing every question with a Trump tinge to their question. That's how I feel about it. So really deep down, I think this was a good opportunity for these people who are out raising millions of dollars. They're out campaigning around the country. They're fighting hard to be the president of the United States. And they're tired of probably hearing about Donald Trump. Although at one point in this debate, The question was asked, would you support Donald Trump if he were the nominee of the Republican Party in 2024? And seven of the eight of them said that they would support Donald J. Trump. The lone exception was Arkansas's Asa Hutchinson, who said he would not support the 45th president if he were the nominee in 2024. Now, if Trump would reciprocate and say that he would support everybody but Asa Hutchinson if they somehow were the nominee... I'd like to see that from President Trump. Yes, I know he's got such a commanding lead, but a little humble pie wouldn't be too bad of a thing, especially on a day where he's going to jail, at least temporarily. He's being booked in and will have his mug shot. But yes, it was a very, very, I think, good night for Republicans Wednesday, as it could have definitely gone off the rails more than it did. One of the things that did get a little heated in this debate was the conversation between President Trump's vice president, Mike Pence, and the political newcomer, Vivek Ramaswamy, as they were speaking. And frankly, Pence probably crossed a little bit of a line 
by essentially saying that Ramaswamy at age 38 was not old enough to be president. The rules are you got to be 35, but it was not just the age, but it was the inexperience that Pence was getting at. And when he brought that up, there were some noticeable boos in the audience. Let's go in and hear this conversation that also Ron DeSantis chimes in as well, the Florida governor, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis all speaking in the Republican presidential debate, which was on Fox News Channel. Let's go in and hear a clip from this 2024 presidential debate on the Republican side. I led Indiana where we balanced budgets and had a AAA bond rating when I was governor. And as vice president of the United States, we spent funding to, to backfill on the, the, the military cuts of the Obama administration. And then we were there in the worst pandemic uh, in 100 years. All that being said, I was the first person in this race to say that we've got to deal with the long-term national debt issues. You've got people on this stage that won't even talk about issues like Social Security and Medicare. I mean, Vivek, you recently said uh, a president can't do everything. Well, I got news for you, Vivek. I've been in the hallway. I've been in the West Wing. A president of the United States has to confront every crisis facing America. I will put our nation back on the path to growth and prosperity and restore fiscal responsibility, just as I did in Congress and as governor Mr. Vice president. and when I was vice president. But, yeah, I mean, fact, we hold on. Yeah, on. You were named earlier. Both. I'm going to get Vivek first. We'll get to both of yeah, This isn't that complicated, guys. Unlock American energy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. Put people back to work by no longer paying them more to stay at home. Reform the U.S. Fed, stabilize the U.S. dollar, and go to war. The only war that I will declare as U.S. president will be the war on the federal administrative state that is the source of those toxic regulations acting like a wet blanket on the economy. So I'm not sure I exactly understood Mike Pence's comment, but I'll let you all parse that out. For me, it's pretty simple. That's something a U.S. president can do with focus, and I'll deliver on now, it. Well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, if I can. I'll go slower this time. I, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with the reading comprehension. Look, I was, uh, right I was a House conservative leader before it was cool. I actually pushed a deficit reduction act that was the last time we actually reduced the national debt in the United States when I was the leader of House conservatives. I balanced budgets and cut taxes when I was governor. I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. Okay, we need to bring It's 30 seconds when you have a rebuttal, okay? And, and you are up, Governor DeSantis. So here's the thing. Why are we in this mess? Part of it and a major reason is because how this federal government handed COVID-19 by locking down this economy. It was a mistake. It should have never happened. And in Florida, we led the country out of lockdown. We kept our state free and open. And I can tell you this, as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down, and you say, Anthony, you are fired. And from Wednesday night's Republican presidential debate at Fiserv Forum in the Milwaukee area, that was in order, Vice President Mike Pence, political newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy, and the current governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, a little 
heated discussion. That some of the many highlights that came in from the event there in Wisconsin on Wednesday night. Overall, as I have said, I thought it was a good night for Republicans. It does show that even without Trump there, this party will go on. It's not, even though the pundits may try to say it's Donald Trump's party. No, I think having a 38-year-old out there who is, what is he, half the age of Trump at least, I think showing him in a way that he's up there proves that it's not Donald Trump's party. It's the common sense party. It's the common sense party when you compare it to what's going on with a Biden a Bidenomics policy, a policy that they've had of destroying the fuel situation in our country. We've got gas now costing as much as it's ever cost in, in much of the South. Maybe the exception would be the Jimmy Carter years, which aren't very good memories for most Southerners. And so you got that issue and the inflation and all the other problems that this administration has brought upon the country and and definitely any of those if you're a conservative people on stage would have been a much better option than what we've currently got in the white house but that is a recap of our big republican presidential debate from wednesday of which president trump sat out and did that interview with tucker carlson you can go back by the way and the y'all show we have our show available in podcast form and we've got a clip in our second hour today of Trump and Tucker Carlson talking about Joe Biden and more. You can find the Y'all Show podcast on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcast and in Apple iTunes. And as an added value bonus, it's posted free of charge. Our podcast is at y'all.com. So many ways to keep up with the show that shakes the Southland. Now again, President Trump, following his interview with Tucker Carlson that debuted Wednesday on X got a busy day today as he's going to be in Fulton County as he'll be there at the Rice Street Jail, officially the Fulton County Jail. And there he'll have his chance today to be mugshotted. He'll have his chance to be booked on charges of illegally scheming to overturn the 2020 election loss in the state of Georgia. Rudy Giuliani did the same thing on Wednesday. His bond set at $150,000. Trump's going to be set at $200,000. And many of the people of the 19 are trying to get these charges moved out of state court into federal court. Wish them all the best on that. But Trump going to be the big story again here today for a completely different reason as he's going to surrender to authorities in Atlanta today. Stay tuned for more. And a passage in the world of professional wrestling as Terry Funk has died at the age of 79. Funk inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2011. He was a big wrestler who grew up in the Amarillo, Texas area. He wrestled for 52 years. And again, his last time wrestling was back in 2017 when he teamed with famed Rock and Roll Express duo Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton. And Funk, again, who grew up in Amarillo, Texas, has passed away at age 79, a wrestling hall of famer. And that concludes our headlines here for this opening hour of the Y'all Show Thursday edition. When we come back, we're going to take you to Oxford, Mississippi. There on the outskirts of the Grove is Vault Hemingway Stadium, 
And on September 2nd, the red and blue will rub Chucky Mullins' head and run out on the field there at Hemingway Stadium. And there they'll take on the Mercer Bears of the FCS SOCON Conference. And we've got a preview of the 2023 edition of Lane Kiffin's team. We'll hear from the head coach of the Johnny Rebs. All that is ahead. And before we get out of here today, we'll talk about festivals. So stay tuned. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. On a game day in the Grove, you're likely to hear that little tune there by the Pride of the South Band. It's the University of Mississippi, and it's today's featured school as we've been on a tour across the southeast the last few weeks, featuring a school each day as they prepare for the 2023 college football season. And today it's all about Lane Kiffin and the fighting Rebel Black Bear Land Sharks. We'll tell you about the traditions of the University of Mississippi. We'll let you hear from the head coach, the kind of wise guy himself, Mr. Lane Kiffin, in just a second. And we'll also let you know that Ole Miss's longtime foe, Vanderbilt, is going to be our featured school on Friday's y'all show. Got to throw that out there, Vandy fans, because Vanderbilt's got a football game here this weekend. So we're going to go from Oxford to Nashville Wrapping up this week of the Y'all Show. Might have to stop off in Jackson, Tennessee on the way between Oxford and Nashville. That sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? So let's talk about what Lane Kiffin's got going on in Oxford Town. He has certainly brought some enthusiasm to a program that prior to his arrival, it was pretty rough goings there for a few years. Hugh Freeze had created a dumpster fire, left them on probation. Even though he had taken them to a sugar bowl, it was a rough, rough couple of years there in the Grove. So what did the university decide to do? They gave the job to a former offensive lineman in Matt Luke, a good guy, a guy who had been a longtime college football assistant at places like Georgia. No, he he hadn't been at Georgia. He went to Georgia after he got canned at Ole Miss. He had been at... Well, I think he started out at Murray State, I think. Either there or Mur- UT Martin. Probably he's been both. He's been on the circle. But he'd been a longtime assistant for sure. I know he'd also been at Tennessee. But he'd been at his alma mater, Ole Miss, for a long time. Matt Luke, who is from a family that had a guy who was quarterback. I think Tom Luke, his brother, was a, once a quarterback. Or maybe that was daddy. I don't know. We're not here to talk about Matt Luke. Matt Luke. If you might remember an egg bowl of which the the team that he took down to Starkville fell apart and were a little bit of an, an embarrassment, that gave the university the green light to get rid of him, and they did. And so they brought in 
Florida Atlantic coach Lane Kiffin to the program in the COVID year of 2020. That was his first season. And it was a heck of a hire. It really was because Kiffin has certainly brought unbelievable amounts of attention to Oxford, Mississippi. He has made Oxford cool, and Oxford already was a cool place. He's made it cooler. He's made this football program cool, and he's made them a bit of a winner. 2020, they had a good season. 21 was a good season. Last year was a great season until, guess what? Lane Kiffin started getting courted by other programs like Auburn to go be their head coach. And when that happened, the wheels fell apart on the 22 season. And the University of Mississippi ended up losing games against Arkansas. They lost to Mississippi State. They lost their bowl game. They got blown out by Texas Tech in Houston. It was an ugly, ugly conclusion last year for a team that I think I'm right on this started out with seven consecutive wins they got that big victory over Kentucky in the opening couple of weeks of the season they got a a win at Georgia Tech early in the season last year so yeah let me count this up one two three four five six seven they were seven and oh when they went and played LSU and Baton Rouge in late October 7-0, they were riding high just outside of the circle (laughs) and the Lyceum there on the University of Mississippi campus. Riding high, then they lose to LSU, come back with a win against Texas A&M, and then that's when the losses started a-flowing with a loss at Alabama, close one. They lost only by six points, but then a really bad loss at Arkansas and then an embarrassing two-point loss to Mississippi State on Thanksgiving evening, followed by a throttling of Texas Tech. Remember, as I said, Lane Kiffin was being courted to perhaps go be Auburn's head coach around the same time, and I do think that cost this team tremendously in 2022. So after the season's up, Auburn ends up going back to another. They've done this before. They got Tommy Tuberville once, and now Auburn's coach is a former Mississippi coach in Hugh Freeze. So they didn't get Lane Kiffin. They got another former Mississippi coach. So Freeze ends up signing a bigger paycheck. The NIL is a friend of this program. They've been able to toss a lot of money, recruits ways, because you can do it legally now thanks to the name, image, likeness, availability in the NCAA. And so, as I said, because of his youthful presence, Lane Kiffin is a bit of a playboy. Lane Kiffin is not married. Lane Kiffin has young kids. Lane Kiffin has the flow going. He's a pretty good fit in Oxford, Mississippi. And so when he brings recruits in, he can drive them around. I think you're legally allowed to do that. Drive them around. Let him drive his uh, fancy sports car around Oxford and just make them feel good. Plus, I guess they got NIL deals they can set up, just like every other college can now. And that's helped lead this school to get back to doing well in recruiting. It's, I mean, this school has done well before. Remember, it was a guy from Georgia during the Hugh Freeze era that was the number one guy overall in the country that chose to go to the University of Mississippi. 
I forgot his name. He and his brother both played there. And he hasn't done much if he's even still in the Robert, Robert somebody. Thankfully, I've forgotten his name because he ended up being a little bit of a disaster in his final couple of games playing for the red and blue. Uh, but now to the 23 edition of the University of Mississippi. So you've got some success. I mean, last year they wrapped up at 8-5. and five. Again, for a team that started 7-0, and 8-5 oh, and five is pretty dismal. But to their credit, they got eight wins. They were 4-4 four and four in SEC play in 2022. And now a chance in 2023 to fix some of the problems. Jackson Dart's back as quarterback. They've got a heck of a running back considered to be an All-American in some circles. And the University of Mississippi gets going September 2nd. The Mercer Bears are the opponent. Mercer from the Southern Conference comes over to Vault Hemingway Stadium for a 1 o'clock Oxford time kick. The season opener against the FCS Mercer Bears. Then, September 9th, I love this game. The Mississippi Bears, Landshark, Colonel Rebs, head down to the Big Easy. It's a renewal of an old rivalry that these two teams played for a long time, especially when they were both in the SEC. It's the University of Mississippi at Tulane. And both of these teams should enter that contest September 9th at Yulman Stadium in the top 25. Tulane's got South Alabama as their home opener. Then they host UM. And then you would think Lane Kiffin's troops could get past the Mercer Bears. I, I, I hope so for their sake. Mercer, good luck to you September 2nd. So it's Tulane and the University of Mississippi on September 9th. Then it's another former SEC member on the Mississippi schedule as Georgia Tech makes its very first trip ever to the University of Mississippi even though they were once in the SEC alongside Ole Miss, Tech refused to go play at Ole Miss. And so this is the first time Bobby Dodd refused to bring his team to Oxford, and I think they only played a handful of times in Atlanta back in the 50s or 60s. So it's Tech and Mississippi on September 16th at Vault Hemingway Stadium. Then it's the Alabama Crimson Tide on the schedule, game Played September 23rd at Bryant-Denny. An early game. And speaking of early, Kiffin's troops take on their arch rival LSU, not in mid-November this year, but September 30th is the date that these two get together at Vault Hemingway Stadium. That's going to be wild, y'all. Then they've got a third, or a second, straight SEC West game as the Razorbacks come over for a game October 7th. Then it's on the road against Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Back home against the Vanderbilt Commodores and Coach Clark Lee. That's homecoming there on the Oxford campus. I wonder who will be Mr. Ole Miss. What a great title. (laughs) Also, you got November 4th, Texas A&M coming into Oxford. And then how about this? They wrap up things with the Georgia Bulldogs between the hedges. November 11th is that gate date. Then they've got Terry Bowden's Louisiana Monroe Indian Warhawks coming to Oxford. That game's going to be the home finale on November 18th. Then the Egg Bowl will be Thanksgiving night 
in Starkville at Davis Wade. It's Mississippi State and in-state foe, the University of Mississippi. That wraps up their schedule. Most people have called the 23 University of Mississippi schedule the hardest in all of college football. They've got Alabama, of course. They've got LSU, your defending national, or rather, your defending West Division champion. I bet you Hugh Freeze is going to have his team up big time when they welcome in this team over to the Plains. And then you've got Jimbo Fisher coming into Oxford. But then it's that game against Georgia. That's going to be a tough one. Never mind the Cowbell Clangers and Starkville always are a tough out. So that's the schedule for Lane Kiffin and the 2023 edition of the University of Mississippi. Let's go in and hear from the head coach of Mississippi as he is not afraid to get in front of a microphone. Although my sources tell me that throughout Mississippi, he's not exactly jumping to go be in front of a microphone or or necessarily to go jump in front of the fans and talk about the good old days, the good times and more. I'm, I'm saying that I think Lane Kiffin, believe it or not, even though he loves the camera, he's a bit of a recluse. He's not a guy that's going to be trying to go out and become best buddies with people. That is what I've been told. I don't know. I've never met the guy. But he's doing a good job with his current assignment. I always wonder, though, here's a guy who was coaching the Oakland Raiders back when he was roughly 30 years old. Do you think there's a chance he still longs to get back to the NFL? Is there a chance this guy really is just hanging out in Oxford because there may be some kind of arrangement where he can go back to Tuscaloosa, where he was beloved as an Alabama offensive coordinator? Right now, though, the paychecks are coming from the University of Mississippi. Here's Lane Kiffin speaking earlier this week about his red and blue Rebels. Um, We're kind of still in a training camp practice mode um, as far as going against each other a lot with some Mercer stuff. And um, so I think we'll we'll have a much better feel of that um, to start next week. When Billy was in here a second ago, he was saying that one of the things you know that you know could have been better from the scrimmage was you know the tempo at the point. Did you, can, did you see that kind of that same thing? Uh, I think it was okay. Um, I think that's always <clears throat> challenging when it's not a real game. Um, you know, to to get them to play really fast and take advantage of the situations, and also you're you've practiced more coming into a game. You know, they practice Thursday, Friday, and then play Saturday. That's not normal that you do that. So, Lane Kiffin, i got to shut that thing up. You know, maybe there's a reason he doesn't go out and meet people. He's kind of a boring guy now that I sit there and listen to him. Don't you think? I mean, he's a little smart aleck on social media, but when facing real human beings, he ain't exactly thrilling. In my opinion, what do y'all think? Hit me up, mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L.com. Again, Kiffin and his troops getting ready. The Johnny Rebs welcome in Mercer as the opening opponent on September 2nd. That's an early game. So all you Grovers, you better get those cocktail, get those cocktails down early and get over to the Vault-Hemingway Stadium and get in that bright Mississippi sun to support your team on September 2nd. One o'clock kickoff against the Bears of Mercer. 
Now, what about some of the traditions that you'll find at the University of Mississippi? Well, one tradition it has is it has a nickname, and that nickname is Ole Miss. Ole Miss, that nickname came to be in 1896, and that is when Elma Meek of Oxford suggested that name Ole Miss to be the name of the school yearbook. And so it went from being a nickname for the yearbook to being a nickname for the entire athletic program and really for the whole institution. Frankly, the official educational website, the main website for the University of Mississippi is olemiss.edu. Now, the university has struggled through the years trying to rewrite history. And one thing they've done, and I, I can prove it, I'm on their website right now, is they don't tell you on their official website, OleMissSports.com, the true history of the name Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yes, it was the name of the yearbook, but Ole Miss is actually the name from what used to be promoted on this same website and in the programs at football games in Oxford. The name Ole Miss comes from the days of the antebellum South. I'm quoting here off the top of my head. That's what it used to say. As... Ole Miss was a term of endearment for the miss of the plantation. The plantation owner's wife was the Ole Miss. And that's where that name from Elma Meek, where she got it and where, where she used that term for the yearbook. Now, you won't find that on the official website now, but it's out there. They know about it. So Ole Miss is a tradition. They just don't tell you the, the real story. Now, I love the quote that used to be in the student union. It's probably still there in Oxford. A quote put up by the late Frank Everett, class of 1932, as he kind of helped describe what Ole Miss truly is. As he wrote, There's a valid distinction between the university and Ole Miss, even though the separate threads are closely interwoven. The university is buildings, trees, and people. Ole Miss is mood, emotion, and personality. One is physical, and the other is spiritual. One is tangible, and the other intangible. The university is respected, but Ole Miss is loved. The university gives a diploma and regretfully terminates tenure. But one never graduates from Ole Miss. It's a pretty strong little statement from Frank Everett, class of 20, uh, 1932. Now, the nickname Rebels. This is also something that's been revised on the official website. It's been around as the university's moniker since 1936. Prior to Rebels, the teams were the red and blue, and then they were the Mississippi Flood. But they changed that. They had a contest. The finalists in the contest in 1936 were the Stone Walls and the Confederates, but they went with the other option, Rebels. And Rebels was a unanimous choice by sports writers. And Judge William Hemingway said, If 18 sports writers wish to use Rebels, I shall not rebel, so let it go. Ole Miss Rebels. And that's what it's been since the 1930s for this SEC founding school. Red and blue, the colors of the university. Those colors come from the crimson of Harvard and the navy blue of Yale. And then 
you can't go to a game or be around this community without hearing hotty toddy as it's been a, a cheer for about the same time since Everett wrote that poem going back to the twenties and thirties and you'll hear it. It's a, it's a, it's a cheer, but it's also an expression. It's also a hashtag. What is the hotty toddy? Here's the cheer. Are you ready? <laughs> That's actually how it starts. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Damn right. Hotty toddy. Gosh, amati. Who the hell are we? Hey, Flim Flam, Bim Bam, Ole Miss, by damn. And that's the hotty toddy cheer. Auburn has its War Eagle, which is a song, but they don't have the little 30-second phrase that the University of Mississippi has. So for Mississippi fans, they'd say, take that, Auburn. But hotty toddy is a tradition there. And unofficially, you got the Grove and the incredible tailgate, the number one tailgating spot in the country for college football. In fact, ESPN called Oxford and Ole Miss the number one college town in all of America just last year. If you've never been to a game and seen, you don't even have to go into the game. Just go be part of game day. You'll be blown away. You'll be blown away by the beautiful scenery. And my God, will you be blown away by the beautiful people and the beautiful clothing. I've done it. I've, I've, I put on my seersucker and gone to a game or two or three or four. And it's it's kind of like the Kentucky Derby seven times a year. Right there in the 662 area code. Check it out, y'all. That is what the University of Mississippi and its many traditions. One tradition it has is the university administration can't leave the traditions alone. They've taken away the mascot that is beloved by virtually every Ole Miss fan, Colonel Reb. Colonel Reb is still unofficially the mascot. Go to MississippiRebel.com to get some great merchandise, by the way, that has Colonel Reb on it. And they replaced the colonel with a stupid black bear, which went away because it was so terrible. Then they came out with a land shark, and it's gone away. So they really don't have a mascot officially. So Colonel Reb, let it go. Colonel Reb as the official mascot, although... He's unofficial at Ole Miss. They need to put that on their website, come to think of it. Yeah, no more land shark. He's bye-bye. It was terrible anyway. That's one of the traditions. They've gotten rid of Dixie. They've done all kind of goofy things to tick off the alumni, which includes a guy named John Rawl. That is a look at the University of Mississippi here as we are featuring them on this Thursday, y'all show. Remember, the Vanderbilt Commodores... We're going to have a very, very special feature come Friday as Seabass, a true Vanderbilt insider, will be on with us to break down Vanderbilt and Clark Lee as they get ready this weekend to take on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. We're going to wrap up this y'all show right after this break with a look at some of the great festivals taking place across the South this weekend, including in that is Sweet Tea and Southern Pickin' in McKenzie, Tennessee, and a French Oregon Music Festival in the state of Missouri. Hotty toddy. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like the Y'all Show, the Patriot Pastor, and the Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, 
tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. With Susie Bogus, we can jump in that car and drive south this weekend for some awesome festivals going on across the south. Let's wrap up this Thursday show with a look at our festive south and what's going on across Dixie this weekend in terms of festivals. This weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, it's the Buttermilk Days Festival, and it is a celebration of that fermented dairy drink. And in case you have always wanted to know, buttermilk can be drunk straight. It also can be used in cooking, used to make soda bread and more. Originally, buttermilk referred to the liquid leftover from churning butter from cultured or fermented cream. And traditionally, before the advent of homogenization, the milk was left to sit for a period of time to allow the cream and milk to separate. And this weekend in Louisville, you can learn all about that and more. It's the Buttermilk Days Festival on Block South 3rd Street. 400 block of South 3rd Street is where it's going to be this weekend. It's the Buttermilk Days Festival in Louisville. West Palm Beach this weekend. It's the West Palm Beach Beer Fest. And that's going on at BRK Republic in West Palm Beach, Florida. Quite a difference from celebrating buttermilk for sure. In Montgomery, Alabama this weekend in the capital of the heart of Dixie, it's the Hog Days of Summer Barbecue and Music Festival at Union Station's train shed on Water Street in Montgomery this weekend. Get your barbecue and music mixed in together. That should be awesome. In Prince Frederick, Maryland this weekend, it's the Southern Maryland Wine, Jazz, R&B, and Funk Festival. I think they just have got, <laughs> I think they just got it all covered there this weekend in the southern section of Maryland. In Kansas City this weekend, it's the French Organ Music Festival Festival number 11 going on at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception on 12th Street. And that's Sunday all afternoon, a French organ music festival in Kansas City, Missouri. That ought to be quite a scene for sure. In Oklahoma, in Muskogee, Merle Haggard needs to go there. This weekend, the Oklahoma Festival of Ballooning is taking place at Hatbox Field in Muskogee, Oklahoma, that's on Sunday when that's going down, or maybe you need to be looking up. <laughs> in Myrtle Beach this weekend, it's the 25th annual Ocean Lakes Bluegrass Weekend. 
there at the Ocean Lakes Campground on South Kings Highway on the Grand Strand of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. In Manchaca, Texas this weekend, it's Bat Fest. They really do have a festival celebrating bats. I think I might be skipping that one. This weekend in Parkersburg, West Virginia, it's the West Virginia State Honey Festival at the Parkersburg City Park. That's going down Sunday. Honey, you think we could go? <laughs> All right, this weekend in McKenzie, Tennessee. I love this one. In West Tennessee, in this town in Carroll County, it's the Sweet Tea and Southern Pickin' Festival. And that's taking place all Friday and Saturday on Cedar Street in McKenzie, home of the Rebels. This weekend, it's the home of the Sweet Tea and Southern Pickin' Festival. Y'all saved me a spot in McKenzie, Tennessee this weekend, huh? This weekend in Winterville, North Carolina, that's near Greenville in eastern North Carolina, it's the Winterville, North Carolina Watermelon Festival. This weekend in Clinton, Mississippi, home of Mississippi College, the Choctaws. This weekend, it's the Red Brick Roads Music Arts Festival, and that's taking place Friday and Saturday at the A.E. Woodhouse in Clinton, just to the west of the state capital of Jackson, Mississippi. This weekend in Gaydon, Louisiana, it's the Gaydon Duck Festival, and that's in Vermilion Parish. Gaydon, Louisiana is the duck capital of America. It was named after brothers Jean-Pierre and Francois Gaydon, and they ended up buying land because of its incredible hunting opportunities for deer, ducks, pheasant, and more. A hunter's paradise in the sportsman's paradise of Louisiana, Gaydon, Louisiana. And again, this weekend, all throughout, starting today, Thursday through Sunday, it's the Gaydon, Louisiana Duck Festival. Hey, this is in Cajun country, by the way. In Brazelton, Georgia, this is a lovely place northeast of Atlanta, and it was once owned, this town was owned once by one of the most beautiful actresses that I've ever seen. And she was once married to Alec Baldwin. Do y'all know who I'm talking about? Kim Basinger once owned Brazelton, Georgia. Now she does it. And this weekend, they may be celebrating that. It's the Brazelton Antique and Artisan Festival at Brazelton Park, northeast of Atlanta this weekend. Just off of Interstate 85 is where you'll find Brazelton. This weekend in Mountain View, Arkansas, it's the Bluegrass and Fried Chicken Festival. That's at the Ozark Highlands Theater, and that's going down this mid-August weekend. Although we're almost to the end of August now that I sit here and think about it. And our last event to tell you about this weekend in Orkney Springs, Virginia, it's the 2023 Shenandoah Valley Music Festival, and that's at the Orkney Springs Grade Lower Pavilion. And that's going on really for a couple of weeks. A Shenandoah Valley Music Festival taking place in this lovely spot, the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. The Commonwealth has some great music. In fact, that number one song in the country right now, Rich Men North of Richmond is from a Virginian. We told you all about that in our second hour of today's Y'all Show in our country music report. And that wraps up our Festive South for the day. That gives you a great idea of what's going on across the Southeast. And if you don't have your weekend all planned out, I just gave you about 16 good places to go enjoy your weekend. Well, that wraps up our Thursday Y'all Show. Thank you so much for being a part of the fun. We will be back here Friday where we'll have more political feedback. We won't have a Republican presidential debate to recap, but we will have plenty of stuff. I guess we'll have Trump going to Atlanta to be 
arrested to talk about on our Friday y'all show. Oh yeah, that's going on. So we'll have that. Plus again, we'll have Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group stopping by to talk about the week in Southern Finance. And our buddy Seabass is going to help us preview the Vanderbilt Commodores 2023 season. A busy Friday. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.